Property Marketing Made Easy, the podcast. Here's your host from Get Savvy Club, Anna Geary and Anita Baldwin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Property Marketing Made Easy from the Get Savvy Club. Anna Geary and Anita Baldwin here. How are you doing, Anita? I have just been on hold on the phone for an hour and 20 minutes. To thump. Wow. All our customer advisors are busy with the customers, and I'm thinking, shouldn't that be, you know, our customer advisor is having a fag break at the moment, and we'll get round yeah. to you when they can be bothered. And then my phone died. <laughs> I got through that finally, is- and the phone died. So yeah, that is really bad if your phone died because what you I feel full of energy. No, no. If what you you and also it's one of them where you they should have got the gist of what you were saying. Hopefully, what, yeah. What if they didn't? Do you know what I mean? Did they just think, oh well, we never wrap that up, and then just like should we call back? No. But the worst yeah. one was they answered me just under an hour and then said, oh, we're just sorry, we need to transfer you. And I went, don't put me back in that queue. And they went, no, no, just press option two, then one, and you'll go straight through. Did I, hell? No. Back in the queue. Maybe that is the fast track, though. Like you say, if there's just one person and that person's gone on their break. Or, I don't know. I think there should be some law against... It's the government. It's the government department. Yeah, That's who well, I, was I think they should to, put a law so. on themselves about acceptable behaviours in terms of when like how quick you're going to answer a phone if you've got you though haven't they they do say it might be up to an hour and they're not wrong and then they go you can do it online i can't i've tried it's not there yeah it doesn't work properly yeah they just send you what they want to do send you round around around in circles but and then so they've they've got you because there's literally nothing else you can do is there you've just got it get yourself some snacks get your phone do something and it's obviously they've put their call center in ireland so it's like these lovely gentle friendly irish accents that do calm you down A giant, uh, yeah, Ireland or Geordies are supposed to be like the ones that are most trusted as well. Geordies, they use theirs. Yeah. Yeah, all these ones. So anyway, today we've got um, a little bit of a different guest, really. A guy called Nathan Spencer, who is a director of a place called, <laughs> a place, would you call it an organisation, wouldn't you? But yeah, everyone will know soon, everyone in property, because it's um, growing massively, isn't it? Yes, it's in such a short space of time as well. So if, you, yeah. if you're aware of what MIPIN is, which is this big property get together almost i bet people's like um other halves think it's just a big great big jolly which is where all the property people go over to Cannes in like france for like however many days oh we have to go to network it's like that but in leeds so you don't need to go all the way to the south of france anymore guys you could just uh well, so you can minute, go to both. yeah at the minute it's in leeds okay so it sounds like the bigger you'll, you'll let you'll hear you'll hear when we get into it but um sounds like the the, the bigger cities are Want a piece of the pie now, bit of the action. Yeah, let's get into it. If you're enjoying Property Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club, use your podcast app to rate, follow and subscribe. I'm the director for UK Reef. UK Reef is a really nice short term because behind that it's really, really long. So it's the UK's Real Estate Investment and Infrastructure Forum. I used to have to read that off a piece of paper, it's so long. We came up with the kind of UK Reef uh, acronym just to try and cut it down. The company was originally called TIPIC to try to have something similar. Then it turned out to be a tropical disease after we got the oh. website and everything. Sort of, so, <laughs> could have been yeah, worse, could have been an STD. <laughs> yeah. Marketing tip, always look online at what what you're, uh, what it means before you uh, create a company behind it. Um, a touch of TIPIC today, how are you? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Some tropical disease from uh, the South America, Amazon or something. So yeah, we had to quickly change that one. So UK Reef has quickly become the UK's leading forum for the built environment. It's a big event that takes place at the moment in Leeds. It's an annual event. This year, it should bring together about 10 to 12,000 people. And it is 
local authorities and government. It is investors, developers, occupiers, because they're there, the whole built environment industry in terms of architects, law firms, agents, etc., are in the audience too. We've quickly become kind of a bit of a disruptor, people are saying, to MIP in for those yeah. who are there. So um, we've kind of taken a big sort of market in terms of that public-private sector partnership and, it, and it's working quite well. It's quite hard to describe it in terms of everything that goes on across the event in a short period. So website is the best place to go. Yeah, if you're into property, you will have heard of MIPIN, I would have thought, at some point. So to, to say like it's a UK version of that is quite a good description because it was actually how I got in touch with you was a friend of mine who's an architect. He mentioned the UK Reef. I was like, what? And he said, yeah, it's like it's MIPIN, but here in the UK. Uh, so that's how he described it as well. So where, what date is the next one then? The next one's next year. So it's oh, in okay. May the 21st to the 23rd. Oh, but okay. what we try to do is to get people to arrive on the 20th and to stay until the 24th. We have fringe events. So we, you know, you buy a ticket to our main area and, you know, it's a, we, we don't do it in a generic conference centre. We want to, you know, we've got outside pavilions as you would have at MIPIN, which I think is where the comparison comes. Uh, but we like to see ourselves as very different to MIPIN for many other reasons. But obviously for, from our end, it is a bit more UK focused and therefore it's very much a really good area for public private sector partnerships to develop. And then on the fringe, we must have about 150 um, events which take place in the wider city. And, and that works because you've got people who might be supply chain, who might be, you know, providers of cladding and providers of aircon and providers of, yeah. of energy. Some of those will find the benefit on the fringe rather than coming into the, the main area, which is more of that kind of, you know, the, there's transactional discussions, there's um, future of place and placemaking. It's the designs of future cities and it's more of that kind of top level developer, occupier, investor, local government discussion taking place. So yeah, we actively encourage fringe because we want more people in the city to make it a big buzz. Which city is that then that it takes place in? So it's currently in Leeds. So we launched in 2022. So we've done two events so far. The attendance doubled last year and we we expect it to probably double again on, on current trajectory. And then we're out for tender at the moment, looking at where it will be held from 25 to 27. So we've got Birmingham, Manchester, Liverpool, Leeds are the four cities that have made the shortlist. So we are out with them at the moment and we should know by November, December time where that is going to be moved to or it may stay in Leeds still. Yeah. Oh, so, so how so did it come about then? How did, you, how did you just think, I'm going to do this? We've always done events within the business, uh, but we've tried to do a lot more local or, or sort of industry-focused events. Our CEO has always wanted to do a big event. When I first came into the business five or so years ago, so he was the owner, CEO. He'd always envisaged doing a larger sort of event in the UK. Everything sort of dropped on it around the time of, of, of COVID. So just before COVID, there was a lot of talk around moving forward, the difficulty of local authorities going out to the to international locations like the south of France to run, you know, it's quite costly and you're in the south of France and there's, you know, there's champagne on yachts and all that kind of optics behind it. You know, local authorities that I know are a lot more careful than doing that. They go out for business, but there has been so examples previously of, of that kind of activity. So there was a lot of, kind of issues and then when when covid came up we've got the sustainability issue of flying over there's 10,000 people in their peak used to go to mipin we had the cost of living we had the pandemic which stopped travel and actually i think the uk realized actually we do need a place in the uk to bring investors and developers the government were very much on board straight away because obviously it's bringing investors and, and developers together to drive economic growth but also there was an angle from from their end around trying to have some form of post-brexit kind of position 
positioning to go, yeah, we we can do something big in the UK. Yeah, we, we don't class ourselves internally. We don't try to compare the two between ourselves and MIPIN, but there's a lot of people who have, and I don't think it would have come around without COVID kind of making everyone relook at it and go, actually, we send 50, 60 people to the south of France, but cost of living, sustainability, the issues with trying to kind of cut down budgets a little bit, opened it up certainly from feedback we've got to uh, to create UK Reef. And it took about 18 months to happen. Lord Bob Kerslake, who who sadly passed away a few a few months ago, he was our advisory group chair and he helped us get people onto the advisory group like Joanne Roney, uh, the chief exec of Manchester, Jen Hartley from Invest Newcastle. Uh, and those people have kind of helped us drive it forward within the industry to, to bring it forward. And we still have that advisory group running currently to try to advise on where it goes as well. It sounds like you've been successful really fast, which indicates it was really needed in this country. If you go to an event now, there's a lot of content and, and we have content as well, but events have gone into that place where there's a lot of kind of people are, are exhibiting in, in the trade shows and so you know you're not always going to meet the right people uh, so what we try to do is to make sure from the outset it's all around facilitation so we do a lot of private events that nobody sees where we put investors in a room and developers and we bring local authorities to them we bring Greater Manchester to them and then an hour later we'll bring London to them an hour later so we're actually announcing today later on this afternoon that Tor Bay Council which is on the south coast following meeting at UK Reef have brought forward a hundred million pound development in their location in Torbay. That's a direct impact. They've never met the, the developers of investment partners before. And we've facilitated those conversations with them all the way through. So it's not around putting people into a room. We've tried to do the correct facilitation to make sure everyone's find, finding value. And then they talk about it. It's all been built on fear of missing out. My whole essence of when we went to a, a PR agency or to a marketing team, it has to be FOMO. And actually everyone is doing our, our work for as, as you said, Anna, you heard about it from someone. That's exactly yeah. what we're all about. At the moment, everyone is talking about it, banging the drum on our behalf. Um, so it means our marketing costs can be slightly less, which is great. I'm happy. People that listen to this are either in in property or they're looking to get into property. So it, it could be all manner of different people, but usually most people are in property or getting into property in some way. So yeah. like who who are you main? Because it's a lot of different types of people that can come. Who, who are you mainly targeting? Who yeah. who benefits the most from it? it? Genuinely, it depends on who you, who you are going to win work from or what you want to do. So there's a lot of content. There's a lot of thought leadership. But that content, in most cases, we only run three stages. The other 27 are run by partners. So our partners, like and to, it can be as high level as a department for uh, leveling up have their own pavilion they run content for for three days alongside the department for business and trade we have the office of government property the uk infrastructure bank and then it goes to people like schneider electric so working within the energy side we have weight to be contractor harworth a big developer legal in general a big investor if you want to meet those kinds of people that's where you know you, you've got a great network opportunity to go and talk to them at their locations so yeah we, we try to attract as many clients as we can government investors local authorities developers that brings the agency architects contractors or consultants if you work a level below that obviously that they're there in lead so you've got options of you can come into the city and enjoy that fringe activity 
or you come into the event and you can be a bit more strategic with knowing that you'll meet the high level C-suite of those organizations within within the walls of the UK Reef. So there's probably not anybody it's not for because we cover everything from policy all the way through to delivery and legacy at the end of it. We've probably got a lot more of a construction group as well, rather than MIPPing, which is a little bit more of a sort of property real estate. So we're trying to brand it out to a bit of everything within the built environment. From my side, I would find value going in to the event, but you probably will also find people within the fringe as well, which uh, depending on what level of business you you are at. You also run a network, don't you, for younger people? Is that right? There's a lady called Olivia Sutcliffe who set it up. So that's Young Professionals in Social Value, which you might refer to there. So yeah, that's a group that's looking to put social value. I think there's a, a lot of people get into social value and just kind of fall into it out of an interest in doing positive things rather than there being any real kind of route through to get into that industry. It's part of the bidding tenders when you go out for public sector work, yet there's no real kind of educational piece behind it. The other side from our end is um, we, we then monitor the social value. So we work with a company called Loop, who are part of the uh, 55 group, and we measure the social value generated at UK Reef, which was 2.3 million-ish this year. Uh, so we try to you know, get that higher every year by looking at what we can do, looking at the data, looking at statistics to try to boost as much as we can what impact we're having. So where, what's the future? Obviously, it's been successful pretty fast, but where would you like to see it go in the future? The location is the first one that we're sorting out. I can't tell you where I'd want it to go to or if I would like it to stay to Leeds because I'd get told off. Because then um, if, it, if it was whatever, wherever you said, then the people would be like, yeah. oh, he's like, fix that. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. he's fixed it. Yeah, so we're, we're in conversation. I know you want it to keep in Leeds. It started in Leeds, that's where you're at. Is that where you live as well, Leeds? It is, yeah, which we didn't choose Leeds, basically. Coincidentally. <laughs> yeah, there was a really awkward COVID situation. So everyone who had an event in, like, February, when the economy started to open in September... Everyone who had an event in February moved it to September because they had a cash flow issue. They needed to get that. So we had a, a site in Birmingham secured, but we got pushed out because we were running an event in September and that theirs got pushed back to take ours out of place. So we ended up in Leeds, but it's lucky because we can go on to site visits. And um, one of the issues is it's the, the continued growth. We need more yeah. space. So we're working How, with Where the, in Leeds is it? There's the Royal Armouries Museum and then an oh, exhibition. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I've been there, yeah. Course. What we try to do is we use the whole site. So we've got pavilions outdoors as a a, a jousting arena, believe it or not, uh, which we've taken. Uh, We're looking at putting activity on. Is that for different estate agents that have got issues with each other? They can just. It sounds it, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. uh, Go and have a go at each other. Sort it out Uh, once and for all. There's been a few issues down there. Um, No, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful site. It's really obscure. You get a water taxi down to it from the train station. So it's close enough to the city centre. That it's easily I'm walkable. I want to get a water taxi. Is there any water taxis here in Leicester, Anita? There's no water. There's taxis. no water in Leicester. <laughs> Apart from oh. you could go on the canal on a barge yeah. and just call it a water taxi. Yeah, I That's guess. I'll try and flag one down. <laughs> That's it. We'll have a chat with Leicester about it. They, they, have you ever seen a barge? They like go four miles an hour. You can yeah, just yeah. pop on and flag one down. Yeah. Yeah. I will agree the water taxi doesn't go much quicker, to be fair. But, <laughs> Yeah, I went um, to the Armouries for a black tie do years ago and I had my first ever proper martini, you know, like James Bond style. And, you know, I've always had, you know, martini from a bottle, which is okay, but a proper martini, you've ever tried one? It's like drinking mess. I took a big swig, all sophisticated in my posh dress and was like, what the hell is this drink? 
It might just be how we make it in Yorkshire. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Out the whole tips into I was that with my husband, who's always a, my husband at the time, who's a proper drinker. So I was like, got to drink this for me because I couldn't give it back. Not drunk. That's just <laughs> rude. So drink mine too, please. Yeah, Which he did. No, it's, a, it's a lovely little venue. But yeah, our, our issue is space. So we're, we're working with the council at the moment to look at where else could we extend the event too but yeah we will find out and then from our end what's beyond that it's a shame for it to end up in london like everything else wouldn't it yeah well yeah they're they're not on the shortlist but i think they've openly come to us we've had that conversation with london mipping uk didn't work because it was in london if you're in the city and we want to try and bring people out you just go home wouldn't you you know why buy a hotel room when you can just go Mm. and get the tubing in the morning we don't have the luxury up north do we where you can um jump on a tube and you're in Manchester the next minute. So yeah, it means that people have to stay in and around the city. They come away for two or three days. They close their laptops and it's all about connecting, facilitating. And and we don't have that work feel where you're rushing to get back to an office. Yeah, London were quite open and said, actually, we think it would work elsewhere. And government as well gave us that that nudge. They would Mm. prefer to back an event outside of London because of the whole... Because there aren't many, are there? I guess it's a space thing, but yeah, and the connections thing, you're right. Um, But yeah. It's, it would be a shame to end up where everything else is. Uh, yeah, I think there's enough great cities. That, and and there's, there's others who either miss out on the shortlist or couldn't put themselves forward due to not having the event space yet, but they envisage having it in two years' time. So, yeah, yeah it, could, it could continue to move around um, in future years. If it, if it moves this year, it might move again in three years and so forth. So, And then we'd, it's just looking at growth. So I think one of the key things from our end is try to have some true sort of results from it so the tall bay one is great you know 100 million pound deal secured through uk reef uh, uk government have said they've got two deals coming forward from international following the introductions that have taken place at uk reef and then yeah what else could we do you know trying to get some proper pledges like you do at a cop where you know the industry truly goes yeah we're going to make action and then we can revisit it in 12 months time so there's lots of things that we're looking at exploring just to make it it's not about just growing how many people go it's about making it have yeah a lot a longer legacy within the built environment within within the uk so we're exploring a lot of things and anyone who's got ideas we're always open to them and what about you personally how how did you kind of wind up here what's what's your background it's a really obvious one so i went from uh, sport fashion into property events so as you can say it's just a clear what what anyone sport would make, makes sense makes sense yeah. <laughs> i worked for um, a company called pentland who um, their overarching company owns things like JD Sports. Uh, I worked for their uh, their brand side, which owned a particular sport brand side. So Mitre, which is a football brand. Then they also have Speedo, Canterbury in their other arms. They've got Ted Baker, Alas, uh, Lacoste Footwear. Um, it's so, amazing yeah. how all these brands are actually all just owned by the One same thing. Company. Yeah, it's weird. And, and Pentland was incredible. So the Speedo, uh, Speedo's down, down the road from Leicester in Nottingham. Their team is like 60 people. And then you're looking at them saying they have the global swimming market under wraps compared to yeah. Nike or Adidas. And the, the quality, you're just kind of like, how does such a small team do it? But the culture that yeah. they have is exceptional. So, the power of branding yeah. as well. Yeah. Oh, we used to is, recruit yeah. for Speedo as well. We used to recruit for them. Oh, but yeah, you? it's a good, good, nice little... Well, like you say, it's not a big, big team, is it? But it's yeah, yeah. With well, the power team, they kind of came to a point when I when I was there. There was a guy called Andy Rubin who who's in charge, and he was um, 
and he's he's family owned, which means the values are very much still still very much embedded within the company. And they bought Reebok. They were one of the first to see the the power of a brand. So they bought Reebok for about fifty five thousand dollars back in the wow. day because they saw it was in the US. They saw that suddenly a brand was becoming a popular thing rather than unbranded mm. trainers. Um, and then they sold it. You know, I don't know how many years, ten years later or something else, for about fifty five million. Um, Clever people then. Invested that into Speedo. They invested it into a few other brands. So, yeah, they're very good. Brand building is... You get free Speedos. (laughs) Do you know what? We used to get... um, We had a Christmas sale. So when stuff got returned... What are you going to say at a Christmas party where we all... Oh, in the mall. No. No, that was behind closed doors, that one. Um, (laughs) But you could get um, Hunter Wellies for like a fiver and look at Ted Baker. I was going home giving Christmas presents out. And everyone was like... Oh my God! These staff, Nathan's doing well. Awesome places, <laughs> aren't they? Exactly. Yeah, it was brilliant. I'd now, now been... the quality of the Christmas presents has dropped. Then they're like, oh. Um, yeah, yeah. It's just a couple of uh, branded pens and notebooks from from the business. <laughs> yes. and, uh, yeah, yeah. One of those squashy stress toys. <laughs> yeah, that's all yeah. we're getting, unfortunately. Um, so, yeah. how did you get into this then? From that good old infrastructure, my role was based between Wakefield and London, and then they were closing the Wakefield branch, which is where I was based. So, I would have been moving into the Nottingham office, which is left, uh, Speedo. So, they were making redundancies. I was just exploring, you know what, let me get a good offer elsewhere to sort of counteract what, what they're going to offer me in a new role. And then, yeah, I decided that was too good to turn down. So here I am. But I think it's it's one of those things. I learned so much in that business about everything. They were so open with just going, oh, we'll just make your own mistakes. And you're working for a brand that you shouldn't be making mistakes. But they were just open to you just going, you know what, just do a bit of everything. And it was an SME. It felt like an SME. So you were doing a yeah. bit of everything in every role. Uh, and it was absolutely brilliant for setting you up for, you know, coming to another business where actually – yeah, you, you can come in. And there's so many people that, that I know that have done so well there. I mean, the, the person I used to brief sort of social media graphics into is now the, the global brand manager for Alas, like five years later. So wow. the scope of how they progress people is, is yeah, incredible. So, yeah, a lot to learn from, from that type of business. So what does a day in a life for you look like then? Oh, God, it's horrific. Small run, first of all. It, it's a bit of everything. So things like marketing functions are directly under under my remit. We've got a data research team, which feeds into the sales team and, and the business development team, which is under the remit. As an SME, we do everything. So I kind of do external affairs. I have to secure some of the speakers. There's a lot of external kind of going out to, to um, meetings and trying to build those relationships. So we were at the... Um, Tory party conference this week and we're at Labour next week um, trying to build those relationships projects so we're doing a few big internal projects at the moment around automation which sit under under me managing so we're an SME again so our role it, it's just all about versatility you've got to know what's happening in every area of the business it feels like it's um, you're you're doing a bit of everything but that makes it more interesting doesn't it and then coming on to podcast as well so yeah. Uh, yeah we'll take that yeah this is the fun bit so two questions we ask all of our guests and the first one is to recommend a book so like a, an inspirational book or a business book or something that's helped you along your journey yes i i must admit i'm not the biggest avid reader but andy rubin who i mentioned earlier who used to be the ceo of um of pentland he suggested one called um the ceo next door so i always used to have a bit of and still do at times imposter syndrome when you're coming into 
working environment. So I left um, education at high school. So I didn't go to college, didn't go to university. And I had people coming in who'd have degrees in business and degrees in marketing and, and all this. And I would always be kind of worried about where that sits you in terms of your particularly progression outside of um in other businesses the ceo next door is a book which uh, kind of tries to get you to to look away from that so it's all around you know giving you some of the insight into there's eight percent of ceos in the world who haven't been through any of that education so in a similar remit to mine and actually um talks about yeah the reasons why that would set you apart and some of the the, the, the ways of work around because that from my end has always been a um, the goal from a you know when I hit 35 I would want to be in that sort of role I'm probably not the the most interesting freelance I, I like this com- kind of company structure that book really helped kind of get rid of a lot of those gremlins which were in the back of my head saying oh well, am I right to be speaking up in in conversations or around the table when there's so many more senior people and a lot more educated people around the room with me so yeah that was quite a good book in terms of yeah helping get a lot of uh, the negative thoughts away. Mm, sounds like a good It's one. funny because I've uh, met a lot of people who have um, a lot of education and they've never gone, oh, yeah, you know, I'm better because of this. Whereas people that don't go through that educational path always feel inside that they should have done it or that they're missing something or that they're not good. Do you know, it's funny, isn't it, how it's, it's always in you. Often people dumb down how... No would think yeah. of you. Often yeah. people, like, dumb down their education as well. Like, they almost like disregard it a bit like no one really like flaunts it do they like oh check me out I've got this this and this they kind of just go yeah that's what I mean I don't think that if you've got it you think you're it's it's like this great thing I mean I've got you know a lot of qualifications but I don't think it's a great thing whereas whereas people who don't so like my daughter was talking about not doing a levels and not and doing something different and I said I think you'll always regret it in life. I don't think it will hold you back not having it, but I think inside you'll always feel like, I wish mm. I'd done that. I should have done that. I haven't got that. And there'll be something yeah. because I've met a lot of people. It's bizarre. It's a bizarre thing, isn't it? I think it comes down to when I was talking earlier around when, you know, the events that we run, I try to make sure as much as possible that they represent society by by seeing and hearing people. The people I see, whether it be politicians or whether it be newsreaders or those that are in the public eye, that are, that are doing well, they tend to be people where they're not shouting about it themselves, but there's always information about them. They've been to Oxford, they've been to Eton, they've, you know, and it, mm. and it makes you feel, unless you see the visibility of working class people having made it, but there's not really many CEOs, MPs of the big organisations in, in the UK that come out and are publicly... Not in corporate, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah there's that, no need that. for them to. They're not a public, they're not the brand. The brand mm. is... The business but mm. things like politics and and the news and whatever you need to be charismatic you need to be front facing and therefore their stories get told a lot more so yeah i, th- I think it's yeah. more of that you don't get the visibility of working class as much as you get the visibility of um of others more from just an optics perspective of what you see but yeah they're very yeah. much there we just don't hear them i think as well because yeah, it absolutely doesn't hold you back from an entrepreneurial point of view particularly in property where being an entrepreneur is more important than having a degree isn't it yeah that exactly. mindset yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's changed definitely. I think it's more and more people aren't seeing the value of actually just sticking to and going through the normal education system because as AI comes in and as things change, <laughs> then our world is going to look a lot different in like in a very short space of time. So it's kind of not necessarily the best thing for people trying to say, right, go and you know focus on being this or doing that or this particular path. It's kind of whatever suits the individual, isn't it? More so now, no one's really going to judge you. I don't think further down the line for for the choices that you made you just do make the best decisions that you can at the time that you're making them for you really yeah. that's, 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 the, it. that's the idea and, yeah and i don't think without educational reform it, it, it will change much because 
I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was good at PE. So they were like, oh, you're going to be a PE teacher mm. or a professional rugby player. You've got one or two options. You're like, okay, I've, I've not really got much or choice. Or a fireman, yeah. There weren't um, a lot of choices then, were there? Yeah, but the, but now that I go back onto my education, I'm like, I, I wish they'd that, that have been something that integrated the likes of English, maths, geography, and, and, and put them all in together. So you effectively were, um, my, my my way of envisaging, I think there's been some suggestions of trying to change it to do the same, would be to have a bit of structure around, you know, you create your own business within, you know, when you're in year 10 and 11, two years left of school, where you try to incorporate everything into one, you're marketing it, you're creating content that promotes it, you add the maths into it to do your figures. Yeah, because you're understanding why you're doing the maths then, aren't you? Because there's a there's a reason for it. Exactly. Um, That's you know, everything I- is at school is why am I doing that? Why do I need yeah. to learn about Shakespeare and maths mm. and yeah, when I was a kid, I, ne- I never read because of the, the act of just sitting down and like reading was like not me at all because I was always on yeah. the go and whatever. So I, in my head, thought, oh, I'm not somebody that reads. Oh, my God, I would never read. But obviously now the amount of books that I get through because I listen to them and I, I do sit and re- actually read sometimes. But my, but it's books that interest me. When I found like self-help yeah. books or whatever, when I was like 17, 18, I was like, oh, okay. I get this is interesting stuff. This is about growth. This is you know, so, but before that, the ones you're told to read, oh, my, my son's books, he's 10, and some of the ones he gets given at school, I'm like, obviously, I listen to him read them, but I'm like, oh, they're so boring, but isn't, he doesn't like reading, but I think, no wonder, so we've tried to get other books, but it's about, it's not really about, I never really connected the fact that actually it's about learning new stuff that you might be interested in yeah, from yeah. reading, I just thought it was um, the act of, like, sitting down still. Yeah. The, <laughs> oh, yeah. the other question we always ask everyone is what makes you savvy? The, the versatility is is the biggest thing I find from a, um, from a being savvy perspective. So I, I can sit around a table and I can have conversations, a deep dive conversations around SEO and, and PPC with the marketing team. I can deep dive with the operations team around, you know, I'm leading a, a project on automation around automating ticket sales through to a database that then... And kicks out what the operations team need on site. Being in a bit of everything, I don't think you need to be an expert of everything. That's what you employ people around you to be. You know, there will be better experts, course, but yeah. you need to know the core dynamics of every business. What are their challenges? What are their, because, you know, if you're looking at, I particularly find interest where I find two or three issues. We've got a few challenges within the website and the marketing side, which line perfectly with the challenges with the operations team and just putting them together. All of a sudden you've got your project that you go right that actually does need sorting rather than it being a pain point between different groups so yeah m- my biggest thing has always been try to be in every conversation about everything that's happening across the business try to know as much as you can um, because then you know what the downfalls could be you know what the the opportunities are i think we've either alleviated quite a bit or found opportunities by by having a couple in our team who uh, who can fit in dynamically in, into other roles Brilliant. So, how so much interesting stuff. Yeah. So, how do anybody, anybody that's listening to this podcast, what is the best way for them to get in touch with you or to find out uh, more about UK Reef? LinkedIn, drop me a line. UK Reef, it's a simple website, ukreef.com, which has the the basics of the info. I would probably suggest if anyone's interested in learning what it might look like to look at last or this year's that happened in May, that gives you a bit of a guidance of what to expect and who's going to be there, the types of the types of people that are going to be there. 2024, we'll start to be putting stuff out after the party conferences. We were waiting for manif- manifesto pledges, big announcements, like HS2's going, um, mm. before we kind of structured 
our activity, but we only do three or four of the stages. So then the rest of it is our partners who put everything together and, and they run their own stages. And therefore it's, yeah, that they probably will start to kickstart what they're doing in January onwards. And, and you can see what it's going to be like. If you're enjoying Property Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club, use your podcast app to rate, follow and subscribe. Awesome. Interesting stuff. So if you're in property in any format or guise, then yeah, get yourself a ticket. He obviously, um, Nathan obviously just lives in the next event. So he kept talking about, you know, this year, this year, even though that's yeah. next year. I thought to myself that the 2023 one had been done. That's why I said, well, when is it next? I thought, oh, maybe it's not been done then. There's another one before the end of the year. And then he's like, May. And I thought, that's technically like next year then nathan yeah but in his mind, right in his head just yeah just yeah he's obviously but in it, a lot obviously of planning must go into all of that mustn't yeah. it he's very passionate about it isn't he very like you know that's his thing and it's wild yeah. and everything which is uh, really interesting cool. background as well i thought it was funny check out the website check out nathan on uh, linkedin and we'll see you on the next episode Bye-bye. That was Property Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club. If you enjoyed it, connect with us on social media. Just search Get Savvy Club.